0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: When I started One Dimitri Radio a while back, I was inspired, actually infuriated, by this guy James Clapper. This guy was the head of the NSA, and he was testifying in the United States Senate, and he was asked by a a senator from Oregon if they did mass surveillance, if they did mass spying, and James Clapper lied through his teeth and said, Oh, no, no, we don't do that. Yeah, of course not. And, of course, they did, just lying through his teeth. I think lawyers call that perjury, but maybe I'm wrong because he wasn't arrested, he wasn't charged, he wasn't thrown in prison or anything like that. In fact, he's still out there. They're all out there. I'm a big fan of Edward Snowden. I believe what this guy did was incredibly heroic. He gave up a great job. He he gave up a hot girlfriend, too. He was living in Hawaii. He gives it all up to give us all the information about how the government has been spying on us and, and violating our Fourth Amendment rights and now he's living in, in in Russia, and this poor bastard. I feel I feel terrible for him, as I do for Chelsea Manning, for uh, you know, having the courage to give us a lot of information about what our government is doing in our name. Anyway, that's where I'm coming from. I'm the lovable libertarian. I'm a life member of the Libertarian Party, and it's frustrating as all get out because uh, we're in the minority. Those of us who believe in the Fourth Amendment, um, boy, we. <laughs> tough to make a case these days here in America with every terrorist act on our soil. More and more people are willing to go Fourth Amendment. What Fourth Amendment? We need the government to keep records on all of us and keep, you know, keep spying on all of us to keep us safe. And yet it is self-evident that our government did not protect us from any terrorist act in America because, even though they had all this information. If all this information is to keep us safe, why we we at attacks, I don't get any of this stuff. I barely got through high school. What do I know about this? Well, now there's some big deal stuff going on inside the Beltway that I can't begin to understand because it's way above my pay grade. But it has something to do with a secret court that I hate, this FISA or FISA or something like that, where essentially it seems like it's a government rubber stamp to allow the government to do damn near anything it wants. And there, there are groups that are fighting this. My fellow libertarians, God bless them. Uh, Dr. Rand Paul, United States Senator from Kentucky, God bless him, and his dad, Dr. Ron Paul, God bless him as well, and the ACLU and others. And so I thought, well, maybe I could get somebody from the ACLU, but somebody like really super important who actually knows what the hell he or she is talking about, to explain it in terms so simple that even I, Dimitri, the lovable libertarian, can understand. Well, as luck would have it, I deal with this big deal uh, public relations uh, firm uh, based in uh, Atlanta. And uh, I said, Look, do you have somebody who's like really up there A-list type of you know, person who can explain all of this stuff from like some big deal legitimate organization who's in the we, you know, who's was involved in all of this, maybe even based in Washington. They said, Oh man, have we got someone for you, a special guest? Her name is Nima Singh Guliani, and um she is a legislative counsel with the American Civil Liberties Union and she's based in Washington and she was on C-SPAN. She was interviewed on C-SPAN. So right there, I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty impressive stuff. Is there any way we can get her? And they said, well, I don't know. She's very busy. She's dealing all with this stuff. But, you know, we will try. Lo and behold, we got her. And so, Nima Singh Guliani, welcome to One Dimitri Radio. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Um, really upset because the Fourth Amendment seems to be pretty much obliterated. Does the Fourth Amendment still exist in America?
0: I mean, it still exists, but I think we've really got to fight for it. I mean, what we're seeing is regardless of who the president is, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, the NSA, the intelligence agencies, they are sucking up billions of communications, our text messages, our phone calls, our emails, and they're collecting it without a warrant, without the protection that the Fourth Amendment requires. Well, then, is that illegal? Well, that's what we've been saying for a long time. Um, The question really now is, you know, will Congress, will the, the heads of the intelligence agencies now, you know, adopt changes and reforms um, to make make sure that what they're doing actually is consistent with the Constitution
1: and that it respects our privacy? Well, what about the Supreme Court? Can't somebody just go to the Supreme Court and say, "All oh, this stuff, this mass surveillance of Americans, is wrong. This is like Orwellian. You know, you know, that 1984 thingy with that George Orwell guy and Big Brother and all that kind of stuff. I mean, why can't the Supreme Court just say this is, this is a violation?" Well, we
0: sort of have a a chicken-and-egg problem with surveillance, right? The government does its best to keep it secret. So you and I or you know, the average Joe Schmel on the street. He never knows if his information is collected. He never knows if it's used. And unless you actually know, you can't file a case with a Supreme Court. You can't bring a a charge in court and say, hey, my rights were violated. Um, I want them back. Um, And so what what we have really is for the last 10 years, this concerted effort by people in leadership to hide exactly what's happening. I mean, when you think about some of the basic questions that they won't answer, how many Americans have their information collected under somebody's programs? And they say, sorry, we don't know, can't tell you. You say, how is this information used as court? Are people notified? They say, sorry, can't tell you. Um, And they do that because, there's a benefit to keeping things secret. It prevents the public from getting angry. It prevents courts from looking at these programs and saying, you know what, they're unconstitutional.
1: But what about Edward Snowden? He gave us all of that information.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's shocking when you think about the fact that we needed an Edward Snowden just to get, you know, bare facts about some of these programs, right? We needed somebody who was willing to sacrifice their freedom and sacrifice for their life as they knew it. Um, just so we could understand exactly how massive these NSA programs were.
1: All right. And it's crazy. Well, now, okay, but that's just it. With Edward Snowden, now we know. So why couldn't the ACLU or some other organization take this information, go to the Supreme Court, and say, this has got to stop. This is unconstitutional. We've got the Edward Snowden put it on a silver platter for us. Well, we
0: have some cases, and we've had some successes. So, you know, when there are programs where – Um, The government collected phone call records of every single American. The ACLU filed, and and we won in circuit court. But the fact of the matter is is that there's lots of programs. There's not just a handful. And even when we have some of the details about it, um, the government still tries to argue, oh, you can't really bring a lawsuit. Um, And so we're filing those cases, and we're fighting those cases. But the reality is is that Congress also needs to step in, and they need to say, look, you know, the cat is out of the bag. Now everybody knows what's happening. We know that people's rights are being violated, and we're actually going to step up and we're going to make some changes to these programs and these laws.
1: What makes you think that the politicians in Congress care whether our laws, our rights rather, uh, whether our rights are being violated? Why do you think they care? I'm I'm, I'm dead serious here. I'm not being a wise guy Mm -hmm. here. I'm dead serious. Why do you think they care? You know, I think some
0: members care because they recognize their job is to protect the Constitution. And for those who don't care, you know, it's up to us to make them care, to say, look, this is important to Americans. And unless you change those laws, we'll change our members of Congress.
1: Easier said than done, Nima. Now, you're there in Washington, D.C. Do you interact with these politicians, uh, the senators or representatives?
0: Yes, every day, in fact.
1: What's it like? Tell me your typical day. I'm talk- by the way, for my listeners just joining in, I'm mm-hmm. uh, talking with uh, Nima Singh. Actually, I'm more listening to Nima Singh Guliani, a legislative uh, council with the American Civil Liberties Union based in Washington, D.C. Uh, and quite a- by the way, you have quite a pedigree. I was reading your bio. My God, you went to Ivy League schools and you graduated? <laughs> this is unbelievable. Brown and then Harvard? Jesus, this is unbelievable. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm intimidated right now. So yes. tell me, what's a typical day uh, like for Nima Singh Guliani in talking with these weasels in Washington?
0: You know, I think that there are a lot of good members. But frankly, you know, the hardest thing has been figuring out what it actually is happening. You know, I tell people I talk to, it's like you've given me a movie, but you'll only show me, you know, one minute out of every 20, and you're asking me to tell you the plot line. That's what NSA surveillance feels like where we're just trying to piece together a little bit from here, a little bit from there to understand exactly how people are being impacted. Um, and so every day we're, we're going and we're talking to the government and we're saying, you know, disclose this information or make these changes. Um, and sometimes we don't get, you know, the answers that have a lot of legitimacy back. Um, you know, I'll tell you, we worked for, um, worked for a year to try to get basic questions. How many Americans impacted by these programs? Um, And now that they're telling us, after saying, look, we'll give you this information, um, the intelligence agencies are now telling us, sorry, we can't do that. We think that there are, you know, wait for it, privacy concerns.
1: (sighs) Did you point out out the, the irony of that?
0: Yes. Well, not just we. There were about 30 privacy groups who wrote them a letter and said, It is possible to do this without violating people's privacy. We will help you. We will sit down with you. We will talk to you. And we will work through a way because we think, you know, doing a one-time sample to get an estimate, you know, just an estimate of how many people are being impacted we think would be very worthwhile. And we spent a year in these conversations. And after being made promises, you know, just this summer they said, sorry, we can't provide it to you anymore. Um, at this point, you know, it's one of my colleagues' jokes, you know, forget the actual number estimate. I'll just take the number of digits in the estimate to get a sense of how many people are actually impacted. Is it 100,000? Is it a million? Is it 10 million? Um, we just can't even get that basic information.
1: Can't you get the courts to force our government to be accountable to us?
0: We are trying. And there are cases where the courts have stepped in, but, you know, frankly, there, there are challenges. I mean, one of the problems is the, you know, we have concerns that even if you've got information collected by the NSA under some of these programs, and even if it's used as part of a criminal investigation um, and a prosecution to put you in jail, you might never be notified. And if you don't know, um, you can't raise your rights. It's sort of a it's, – it's the pickle that this predicament has put a lot of people in, is that they don't know what's happening, and because they don't know what's happening – they can't even ask the courts to step in. Um, and so we have cases, and we're, we're challenging things in the courts, but, um, you know, in addition to those cases, what we really need is Congress to step up, to demand answers, to say, look, we're not just going to reauthorize these programs every year when you ignore the questions we're asking you. We're not authorizing these programs in secret. Explain to us what's happening, um, and let us step in and make sure that you actually have policies that, that respect the Fourth Amendment.
1: How many of those people are there, other than Dr. Ron Paul and Ron uh, Senator uh, um, Senator uh, Rand Paul, excuse me, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon, and uh, maybe Massey and Justin Amash in the House, and uh, there may be a few other. How many? How many are we really talking about here? Who actually care about this? Who take the small L libertarian point of view regarding this?
0: You know, there are there are some good members out there. I mean, you named some of them. There's Representative Conyers, um, you know, Representative Poe, and others. But I think, frankly, you know, when I go in to talk to some of these offices, they say, we're not hearing from people about this, right? I'm not hearing from my constituents about it. So I understand that it's important to you. I understand that it's important to the ACLU and all the members you represent. But I'm not reading it in my local paper, and I'm not hearing from people about it. And I think that the more they hear about it, Um, the more they'll care, because these aren't just abstract things. You know, sometimes I hate when people just say, oh, you're worried about privacy. It's not just an abstract, abstract concept of privacy. I do care about privacy, but I also care about the fact that the government, you know, can collect information without a warrant, without going to a judge, and they can use it to go on fishing expeditions, and they can use it to potentially put people in jail or take away things from them. And that doesn't seem right to me. Um, it doesn't seem right that the government can do all of that when the Fourth Amendment says it can't. Yeah,
1: no no question. And don't even get me started on asset forfeiture. I lose my mind anytime I see you read mm-hmm. one of those cases. Um, all right. So tell me about this FISA or FISA court. Uh, what is, it's an acronym, F-I-S-A or something. What does that stand for and what the heck is it?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Um, so these are secret courts. <laughs> they are different than the, the courts that I think a lot of people imagine, where you can walk in and you can see a judge and there are arguments on both sides. Um, this is a court; it operates in secret. The government submits applications. Um, usually, there's no one on the other side to argue against them. But I think that one of the biggest differences that has uh, you know come out from based on what we know is you know, when people think about a court, they think about going to a judge and saying, you know, the government saying. Here's who I want to target for surveillance. You tell me whether I can or not. Um, that's not always the way the FISA courts work. Um, for some of these programs, one of which Congress is debating right now, considering whether it's authorized right now, um, the court doesn't even look at the targets. They just look at the procedures. So once a year, they can either approve or disapprove the government procedures about how, um, how they actually choose who they want to surveil. And so it's almost like, you know, approving warrants in mass. if you think about it, right? You know, they approve the procedures, and with one sweep of a pen, the government's now free to target, you know, over 100,000 people um, who live outside the U.S. and have conversations with people inside the U.S. all the time.
1: So do people outside the U.S., if they are American citizens but they're outside of our borders, could they – be included in this uh, big net
0: so there are separate programs but you know i, I hate when we sort of to, start to try to adopt you know the government's terminology right the government always says look we're we're not targeting that person um, and if we collect americans information it's just incidental um what that you know what incidental doesn't mean is accidental right so when think about it if the government says look i'm going to target for surveillance somebody overseas that person could very well talk to their business associate, their lover, um, their priest who lives in the U.S. And even though the government knows, hey, when I, when I tap this person and I collect their emails and their phone calls and everything, I'm going to pick up a lot of information from people in the U.S. because they're having conversations with people abroad. That's the world we live in. Um, all of that can happen without a warrant just because the government says, oh, well, the person in the U.S., they weren't my target. I really was trying to, to watch this other guy, and it was incidental that I happened to watch a bunch of people in the U.S. at the same time. Um, and I think that one of the, the weird things that has come about, you know, all these, all these legal gymnastics that are being used to, to justify these programs is, you know, what's become very apparent is, is even when the government has said that they're targeting, you know, in their words, people outside the U.S., the information they collect is being used to search for information about people inside the U.S. So if the FBI wants to go through some of these databases, you know, like we talked about, you know, one of the programs, Section 702, if they want to search through that database for my name or your name or, you know, anybody else who's in the U.S., they don't get a warrant. Um, They don't go to a court to get approval. And they can do it in, you know, just because they say, well, I'm just interested to get information about, you know, foreign affairs. It's something as simple as that.
1: Jeez Louise. I'm talking with Nima Singh Gugliani, a legislative uh, counsel with the American Civil Liberties Union uh, based in Washington, D.C. Uh, this is one Dimitri Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in to this. Appreciate it uh, greatly. The judges on the FISA court, do we know who they are and how do we know they aren't um, being paid off by the government or just making you know, dumb decisions? How do we hold the judges defines uh, a court accountable when it seems as if it's simply a rubber stamp for uh, big government?
0: You know I think it's it's really hard to hold the judges accountable. you know there's there's a good example for years, that court signed off on a program that collected call records of every single American. Mm-hmm. And when you know that was disclosed um, by Edward Snowden um, and the ACLU and there were other organizations filed cases and it was heard by the Second Circuit. Um, the Second Circuit found that that program was unlawful, and despite the fact that that court had been signing off on that program for years. Um, And so I think there are real questions about, you know, one, does that court, you know, does that court actually do everything to protect the Constitution? Um, Are they just rubber stamping these government applications? But even more than that, even if the court was perfect, um, the part of the problem is that Congress has given these agencies such broad power. They've given them the power to say, look, you can collect information without a warrant. Um, they aren't stepping in when it becomes sort of obvious that the government is mining this information that they say is for terrorism and they say is supposed to be to target people abroad when they're mining that information to target people inside the U.S. Um, and when they're using it for purposes that don't have anything to do with terrorism. And um, So regardless of the court, you know, Congress needs to to step in and create rules around these programs. And if if those rules don't exist, then the programs shouldn't exist.
1: Nina, excuse me, Nima, it sounds as if our government is simply out of control, just simply out of control doing damn near anything it wants to do. Is that too dystopian of view?
0: I mean, I think that when you think about the size of these programs, it is massive. I mean, we're not talking about you know, one or two emails collected here or there. You're talking about over a billion, you know, emails, text messages, phone calls, you know, all being put in government databases. And, you know, forget, you know, private citizens, but even members of Congress not being able to get basic answers and questions asked about these these programs. And all the government is saying, they're saying this today, they're saying, well, just make this authority permanent, right? Right now, it has its sunset. Right now, every, you know, every four to six years, Congress has to step in, and they have to assess these programs. The government's not only not answering the questions that have been asked of it, they're saying, also, by the way, we want you to go ahead and make this, these authorities permanent um, so you can never really get answers to your questions, and it'll be even more difficult for you um, to get clarity. Um, and that's a real problem, because you know what they should be doing is they should be saying the opposite. They should be saying, look, these programs have ballooned out of control. They're affecting people's rights, um, and we're going to work with Congress to to, to fix the problem.
1: Well, give an example of the worst, uh, the most obvious um, storyline of how the NSA and other government agencies could use information gathered uh, from uh, me um, to to screw over my life. Give me give me. A real simple example using me as the guinea pig. What does the government have on me right now? Oh, by the way, uh, that other question that I used, I wrote down this word dystopian because I looked it up on dictionary.com because I wanted to sound, you know, intelligent. And so I worked it into the question. Did I use it the right way, by the way? Oh, you definitely use it the right way. Yes! Okay, Great job. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. I was actually kind of concerned the about that. trustydictionary.com. Okay, I saw that, you know, Brown and Harvard, and I thought, Jesus, I've got to use a multi-syllable word <laughs> here. So I looked that one up, and that worked out well. So tell me, what does the NSA have on me or could have, well, does have on me right now, and how could that screw with my life?
0: Well, I'll just give you, you know, it's hard to know because we don't know all the government's programs, but let's just talk about one singular program, right? We'll talk about the one that Congress is talking about right now, Section 702. Now, let's say that, you know, you talk to friends, businesses. Let's say you interview somebody who happens to live abroad, and you are doing, you know, you're having a conversation about foreign affairs. You're talking about surveillance. You're talking about Russia. You're talking about North Korea. You know, other other questions or issues that maybe are of interest to you, maybe of interest to your listeners. Um, the government can say, "I'm targeting that foreigner. I'm going to collect all of those conversations. I'm going to collect all of your emails. I'm going to collect all of your text messages." So now they all have all of this in a gigantic database, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't just target people for terrorism. They target people for all kinds of reasons that can be just people talking about national defense, foreign affairs, very vague really vague definitions, Mm -hmm. and they've got it in a giant database. They've got hundreds of thousands of targets, and they're storing all this information for years at a time. Now, let's say um, somebody at the FBI doesn't really like you all that much, and they say, well, you know, maybe he's done something illegal, or they say, well, maybe he has information that we think is what they call foreign intelligence, right, foreign intelligence, meaning, again, a lot of things foreign affairs, national defense, really vague, low standards, and they don't have any reason to believe that you've committed a crime, they have never gone to a court, they don't have probable cause, none of those those high, none of those legal standards that usually apply um, in a criminal case. Um, the FBI then goes and they said, you know what, I want to see what Dmitri is up to. I just want to kind of nose around. I want to, you know, the government in papers, they've described it as their, their version of Google, right? and um, they're in the early stages and they just want to see what they have. And they're going to go to that database and they search for your name. Um, they search for maybe your email address, maybe your Twitter handle, any kind of identifier that is associated with you. And there's emails that come up. And those emails may or may not, you know, have anything to do with why they searched you. It may not have anything to do with intelligence. Um, And if they say, look, we think those emails might be evidence of a crime, we think that they they might be evidence that you've done something that is wrong or improper, Um, they can then either, one, use those emails to prosecute you to try to put you in jail, and, two, they could use those emails to go to another court and say, actually, here, now I have a basis. I want you to give me additional authority for additional surveillance. And let's say that, you know, they actually do try to prosecute you and you're sitting in court. You know, you may or may not actually be notified that the way they got that information was through an NSA program known as Section 702. And if they don't tell you, you can never get your lawyer to file a claim that says that was unconstitutional, Um, he doesn't deserve to go to jail. And these are false. Um, And this is why it's false, because this is how they collected it. So you can never even put together a defense. Um, So it sounds long, but, you know, at the end of the day, what it boils down to is the government being able to get information about you without any evidence that you've done something wrong, the government being able to search through that information without any evidence that you've been doing able to do something wrong, and you potentially having your liberty and life taken away from you with very little ability to challenge it.
1: Good Lord. So the government can have gather information on all my texting, all my email. What about my Google searches and Safari searches and all that? They're gonna do that too?
0: You know, it's it, it's everything electronic. You know, we don't know entirely what they do, but I think we have reason to suspect that all of those electronic records um, and records and communications you have with people overseas that are are their targets, um, you know, are all fair game. And um, the other thing we learned from, you know, we're talking about Edward Snowden, we learned that um, there's two ways that they get information about you. One way is maybe they go to a company like Facebook and Google and they say, you know, give me all of the emails or give me all the information associated with this email address. Um, But the other way is even more disturbing. The other way is that they essentially tap into the Internet backbone. So these are the cables that carry international communications from people in the U.S. to people in the rest of the world. And they tap into that backbone and they scan all of those communications. Um, And they scan all of those communications looking for, you know, certain, you know, what they call identifiers, right? It could be maybe your email address or your phone number. Um, So they're doing sort of this using, I think, modern technology to doing this this scanning and this collection um, that is on a scale that, you know, is so different from what we've imagined from years ago. Um, And that's actually a program the ACLU is challenging in court. Um, and we're we're still in the early stages of that lawsuit. Um, and again, not surprisingly, the go- the government's not even is arguing that you know we don't even have the right to bring that lawsuit. You know we don't have what they call standing to bring that lawsuit. Um, but we're still fighting and we're still moving forward and we we're representing you know large organizations who you know communicate with people abroad all the time, the Wikimedia's of the world, who say, look, this is affecting us, and you know this basically means that just because we talk to people abroad. You know, our information is being sucked up in, in ways that you know the, the Constitution shouldn't allow.
1: No question. If the government has all this information on us, and I believe it does, I fear it does. Would that include like all of my searches on uh, Craigslist uh, personals? Would that include that?
0: You know, it very well could. I mean, part of the problem oh God, is so we screwed. have so uh, you know lots of lots of people are would not be happy to have their their search terms
1: you know mm-hmm. available
0: to any government agency. Um, you know, part of the problem is we don't have full sense of what they're collecting and what they're not, but, you know, you've seen some of what's come out in the last several years where people's photos, people's documents, all that kind of stuff that has been, you know, sucked up in these gigantic databases. They have, you know, huge data centers that are, you know, thousands of square feet um, that just store information. Um, so we're not talking about a couple hard drives um, sitting in someone's desk in D.C. We're talking about, you know, entire buildings just devoted to storing information and processing information.
1: So would the government then, uh, these NSA and these other spy agencies, have all the information on every member of Congress and all the uh, judges uh, in our court system, including the Supreme Court, would they have all their secret correspondence too?
0: They could have some of it, right? Like um, members of Congress, they, they talk to foreign officials all the time, businessmen, ambassadors, dignitaries. Um, You know, that's all information that could be sucked up under these programs, and that's all information that the government, you know, could go through. Um, And, you know, one of the things we also talk about, you know, people often ask me, you know, is a warrant really that important? Yeah, a warrant is really important. A warrant is what protects you from the government going after you, um, maybe based on what you say or what you look like. You know, it's it's not foolproof, but at least if the government has to go to a judge and get a warrant, You know, it's something that protects you from, you know, FBI agents or somebody else looking at you just because they they don't like what you say or they don't like the fact that you disagree with the government. Um, And that is why I think reforming some of these programs and putting those Fourth Amendment requirements back in place is so important. You know, regardless of who's the president, whether it's a Democrat or or Republican, you know, I don't want a world where there's nothing that stops me from – from just being targeted, you know, when I haven't even done anything wrong and the government doesn't have a reason to believe I've done anything wrong.
1: No question. Now, uh, Nima, Singh is your middle name. Uh, I'm guessing, are you Indian heritage?
0: Yes, both Uh, of my parents. Um, were were born in India and um, live in the U.S. now. All
1: right. Now, the reason I ask is because (laughs) you, I'm guessing, would be making calls maybe to India for relatives or whatever, you know, some connection uh, there. If you're doing that, then very it's it's quite likely that the government has all those records as well. Is that right?
0: It's very possible, right? They can target my grandma. Um, they can target my cousins. They can target my. You know, they can target, you know, something once I do work calls with people overseas. Um, they can target those people saying, again, you know, nebulous term. They might have foreign intelligence, which can mean, you know, almost anything about foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. And because they've targeted my family members, they now have, you know, they, they because they may have targeted my family members, they may have all of our conversations. And that could include, you know, me getting recipes from my grandmother because uh, I'm not so good of a cook. Or it could include... Maybe private Wait, a Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait
1: a minute! <laughs> Wait a minute! I think you're buried the lead here. You're Indian heritage, but you're not a good cook. Really?
0: I'm trying. I'm learning slowly, uh, but you know, Nima. I had I had lots of aunts and that cooked for me, and now
1: I'm on my own, and I have to learn to cook uh, for myself. Nima, <laughs> Nima, you destroyed a stereotype here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now, so um, the, um, the 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 big issue right now. Is this, there's a, there's a, there's a bill in Congress. Is that right? Again, don't go into the weeds because my poor little head will explode, but essentially there's a big change that's in the works right now in Congress and my listeners could kind of help push it in the right direction toward privacy rights. Give me a big overview of what's going on right now in Congress.
0: Sure. So there's one big law, Section 702, um, and it expires at the end of the year. So before the end of the year, Congress either has to decide one, you know what, we're going to go ahead and let it expire because it's unconstitutional, or they have to decide, look, we're going to we're going to try to reform it and and then maybe extend it, maybe put some protections in to protect people, and then of course there are other people, including our intelligence agencies, right now that want Congress to do nothing except extend it and make it permanent. Hmm. And we, the ACLU, a lot of other groups and people have been pushing Congress to say either let this law go away or if you want to keep it put in place reforms that protect people in the US and around the world. And so and that that is you know what what they're negotiating right now. What's going to happen?
1: All right. So, what can my listeners do? They call their 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 representative in the house, they call the United States senator and what do they say?
0: They say you should either Significantly reform Section 702, or you should let it expire. Um, And if the listeners are asked, Well, what do you think should be done um, if we want to reform it, if we want this law? And you should say, Look, we're not happy about reforming it, but we'd rather have it go away completely. But if you, at least if you're going to take on reform, what we want you to do is to say, If you're going to look for information about people in the US, you got to get a warrant. And you shouldn't be collecting information. Unless it really is necessary for national security and it relates to terrorism or espionage or all of those other, you know, serious national security um, concerns, but most importantly, if they're going to search for information about people who are in the U.S., the government should get a warrant.
1: Okay. Now, the website for the ACLU is ACLU.org. That's ACLU.org. Uh, your Twitter handle is at Nema. Giuliani, or Giuliani, excuse me, and as spelled N, excuse me, first the at sign, N-E-E-M-A-G-U-L-I-A-N-I. And also there's um, ACLU's Twitter thing is at ACLU. Now with Giuliani, I've got to ask you, how often do people mispronounce it as Giuliani and think that you're somehow related to the former mayor?
0: Oh, all the time. And I tell them, Take one look at me and you you'll you'll have a good guess about whether I'm related to the mayor or not. I am not.
1: <laughs> right, because you're not bald, so that's a good thing. No cloth <laughs> over for you. You've got great hair, by the way. All right, good. Now is there anything else I should have asked you? Any key big points that I should have asked you that I you know just forgot or didn't even you know, think of or didn't know how to ask? You know, I think you hit the most important ones,
0: but I'll just say it again because I think it's important. People should call their member of Congress because they are making this decision now, and they've got to do it before the end of the year. And so Congress has a tendency to procrastinate. Um, They're a little bit like a middle schooler who waits till the night before to do their homework. Um, But they've got a deadline on this one, and they've got to do it by the end of the year. And so you might not be reading about this this issue in the papers, um, but that doesn't mean that decisions aren't being made.
1: Well Nima Singh Guliani you've been fantastic American Civil Liberties Union is uh, spot on regarding this issue with privacy and it's not a republican issue it's not a democrat issue it's a just you know just a you know a um you know, but the Fourth Amendment issue. I again, again, if it even applies anymore, God, it's so. Ugh. You know, I always give my guests the last word, uh, mm-hmm. Nima. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to uh, hand you my Shure SM70B dynamic microphone <laughs> for you to speak directly to my listeners here at One Dimitri Radio. You are free to repeat uh, key points that you made during the interview to bring up new points, something I may have overlooked to shamelessly promote your social media presence and anything else, your websites, your uh, books, uh, your your, your, your speaking engagements, whatever it happens to be. So, uh, Nima Singh uh, Guliani, my microphone is yours.
0: Sure, um, I would say everybody go to ACLU.org. You can learn more about the NSA and the Section 7 and 2 debate happening this year. And you can also take action, because like I said, um, this is a conversation Congress is having right now, and they need to know whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, the people care about the Fourth Amendment. They care that their emails are private, um, and they care that the government can't just target people, um, you know, without reason to believe that they've actually done something wrong. So call your member of Congress, go on our website, learn more, and stay engaged.
1: Fantastic. Nima, you've been terrific. And uh, I'll give you one little pointer regarding uh, cooking. <laughs> curry. That's <all> to right. <laughs> Curry. All right. You have That's a great helpful. day. Thanks. Yeah. All <laughs> right. I knew it would be. Uh, you have a great day. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Great. Thanks. Thank you so much.